0: Blog talk radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to uh, thank you for being here today. And we are going to spend a good bit of time talking about um, a new program that the Obama Administration uh, has, has put together that's providing some vital assistance to help uh, those of you who are involved with broadband projects effectively um, uh, you know, handle your, your broadband deployments, uh, increase, improve, expand your broadband adoption efforts. It's a If you look at it in the big picture of um, uh, the government activity right now, there are policy issues and policy decisions that are being made that are helping to foster more broadband in more places. But there's also technical tactical uh support that's also being made available to also help communities get faster better broadband in all the places that they want to get, you know, faster, better broadband. So to help us explain one of those programs, uh, which is called Broadband USA, I have on the show today Laura Breeden, who is the director of internal affairs I'm sorry, <laughs> Ex- external affairs for broadband USA and Lynn Chadwick, who is a federal program officer with the uh, NTIA State Broadband Initiative. Ladies, welcome to the show. Glad Thank to you be so here. much,
1: Craig. Good to be here.
0: So, um, aside from a little uh, faux pas of making you an internal affairs person, which I don't think is very popular <laughs> in a lot of places, <laughs> we're really here talking about a relationship with the outside world. So, um, let, let's uh, let's set this up for folks. I think that a number of, of our listeners um, are folks who uh, know about the, the president's announcement in Cedar Falls, the the various initiatives that he outlined there, and referenced again in the State of the Union uh, address. Were all about um, helping accelerate the deployment and uh, expansion of broadband throughout the U.S. Now, this one specific aspect. Um, folks are are connected with is the Broadband USA uh, program. So in a general sense, uh, Laura, what is Broadband USA? And then we will take the specific parts of that and talk about it in more detail.
1: Well, Broadband USA is a new initiative that we've actually been cooking up for a couple of years here at NTIA because Um, As you know, Craig, we had a very large grant program, about $4.5 billion that we were managing as part of the Recovery Act. Um, And that program included grants for infrastructure development, for mapping broadband availability and speeds in states, um, and for expanding public access computing and helping people who may not um, have had the skills or the income to uh, be online, helping them acquire low-cost computers and get training uh, and um, and get online. So we have uh, increased broadband adoption, and we've created a lot of new infrastructure, and we have a terrific product called the National Broadband Map, which Lynn can tell you about.
0: Mm -hmm. How do we keep
1: the momentum going? So that's the question we were asking ourselves, because there was a tremendous amount of energy and creativity and innovation that was unleashed all across the country. And uh, it became clear that broadband was really changing the nature of the game. And we wanted to take uh, our expertise and the relationships that we had and use our role within the federal government as um, experts in telecommunications and telecom policy to keep that momentum going.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's where Broadband USA came from.
0: Okay. And before I shift to Lynn, I think the point that uh, definitely needs to be made is that um, all of you at NTIA, and and Lynn, Laura, you and I have talked before and you've been on the show before, and Lynn I know has been involved from, from the get-go as well, but all of you have accumulated some insane amount of knowledge and contacts to help uh you know, move these various broadband projects forward. So you you folks represent I guess a wealth of information and uh and our audience should take into account that uh this is you know right off the bat, sort of the top primary value of NTIA and this program is the amount of knowledge that they represent or have connections to and can help with are are just huge. And, Lynn, you can talk about the the, the state broadband initiatives because that's clearly a big part of uh, the the NTIA program during the stimulus and will continue to be a part of the process.
2: Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, we uh, the state broadband initiative, many folks thought of us as just the program that was doing the detailed mapping, that we created the first ever national broadband map. Um, that was based that each state participated in and territory, uh, collecting the data from their providers that was provided voluntarily by the providers and then vetting it and validating it and putting it into a map so that everyone could see where there was and is not broadband and how fast it was. And it has been a very Uh useful tool in states' planning and and actually knowing where the gaps are where's the white space and where do we need to improve it we also collected data on which uh on the community anchor institutions schools libraries fire stations everything that we could to help provide that kind of uh information mm-hmm. in addition to that however and a good portion of the program was supporting each state to do the kind of work to support broadband deployment and adoption so we had Many states that had capacity-building projects, we supported a lot of regional and local planning teams. We supported technical assistance into communities. We had train-the-trainer projects where we would train people to go out and um, support broadband adoption in various agencies. We had programs that supported building e-government solutions. And each one was customized by the state. I think that was part of the key to the success of the program is that each state found what were their primary needs and focused on those we also had states that built an entire state broadband plan wow and uh yeah and so there were there were two program officers that worked on that and it was a lot of work so basically though myself and my colleague brian gibbons we each know about half of the what's going on half the states in the country (laughs) oh there you go now it gives um, you a
1: Sorry, I this is Laura. I just wanted to add that um in addition to the states, we did a number of territories. I think the number was six, but Lynn can correct me if that's wrong. We
2: did every single territory and the District of
0: Columbia. Mercy.
1: Right. Um that's a lot and
2: of stuff. some of
1: the yeah. products that came out of this and I think this is a great example of how the all the different programs that were funded under under the Recovery Act are gonna be able to um come together and leverage the work that they've done. There's a a funding guide that is uh, directed towards states to help them find funding within the federal government that was produced for the state of Idaho under their SBI award. So that's right. an example of a um, a product that the state recognized a need for, and they were able to use funding under SBI to get that created. And now we're distributing that um, at regional events and to people who are looking for a way into the federal funding system. And going forward, I think that's what we're going to see in Broadband USA, that we have knowledge, we have products, we have relationships, and we have uh, not just external relationships, and I'll, I'll call them internal, Craig. That was a very funny misstep, I Um to say. <laughs> um, the, um, but we have relationships inside the government. So we're talking with people in other federal agencies about how what they are doing, how their missions relate to broadband. Um, For instance, a lot of federal programs are putting more and more information and services online. Well, you can't look at America's job bank if you don't have a computer and the skills to go online and navigate that information. And that's becoming more and more true across the government. Um, Another great example is that the high school equivalency exam test is now available only online in a number of states and it's moving in that direction for all states. So uh, adults who want to earn a high school credential are not going to be able to take a test on paper. They will have to take a test online. And so across the government you see in many different departments uh, because of the move toward more and more uh, online and digitized services, the need, um, whatever the the mission, um, is going to be tremendous.
0: Wow. It's definitely going to be a busy time. I mean, I got that when I called in this morning. It just seems like, and, you know, having met you, and I know how you folks do what you do, but it seems like there's going to be just a huge amount of activity. You're going to be in, what, Jackson, Mississippi next week, uh, doing one of the first of your workshops?
1: Yes. Well, it's actually the third. We had one in Washington, D.C. in May and one in uh, Minneapolis in September. So this will be the third. Okay. Okay. And we're gearing up for more. Um, We're actually working with the White House, which announced uh, the regional events as part of the president's remarks on January 14th uh and so we'll be coordinating with them as well as with people in the field to see where the
0: need is greatest. Excellent. Well, this would be a good time to transition and talk about the specific elements of broadband USA and uh the the first one being um you're going to be providing uh expertise, tools and information uh, to help communities that are what planning and and deploying both broadband and broadband adoption programs. What what are some more of the details on that that part of the program?
1: Well, one of the products that we are working on now that's actually been in the works since last year and um, is starting to uh, roll off the presses. Um, not literally, it's rolling off the internal presses, which means mm-hmm. it's going to. Go through a, a review process here um so that we're sure it's the best product it can be before it goes out the door, but this will be a toolkit um much like the adoption broadband adoption toolkit that we published in twenty thirteen mm-hmm. that is designed to help local governments figure out wh- how do you get started? what do you need to ask yourself? where do you go for information? where do you go for funding and We actually have uh, produced, um, and that will be coming out uh, sometime this spring. Um, It will cover both local and tribal government issues. And if you'd like to get a kind of sneak peek at what it will be like, we also released um, on the 14th of January a public-private partnerships guide which is primarily directed at infrastructure funding also but also touches on adoption. And it really looks at what are different models for getting that fiber optic infrastructure built um, using a combination of funding and expertise from the public sector and the private sector. You can download that from our website, which is www.ntia.doc.gov slash Broadband USA. It's called the Public-Private Partnerships Guide. Um, So those are both great examples of the kinds of things that we will be doing throughout the year as we pick up on the needs of people um, in the field for information. I think Uh one of the best things we have to offer is, Because we've worked with hundreds of communities all around the country and with all types of anchor institutions and a lot of different kinds of audiences um, for broadband services, rural, urban, tribal, uh, low-income, immigrant, uh, Native American, just a very broad range. Uh, We have lots of great field-tested ideas things that have already worked, things where they've had the shakedown crews and um, people have successfully built a network or created a broadband adoption program or secured funding or gotten those last-mile providers to sign on to their middle-mile network. And we want to make make those best practices and examples public.
0: Interesting. Um let me uh, ask a question of Lynn. You know, as you're talking about these tools uh, the, the, and things that are available uh, mm-hmm. with broadband map, is it my is my understanding correct that the all that stuff has been turned over now to the FCC and they will actually be the physical holder of the map, and then you, Lynn, and NTI will focus on other aspects of the uh, broadband initiative that you've been working on, but the physical maps will just go across the hall or down the street. I I don't know where you are relative to the FCC.
2: Sure. I'll tell you about that. Yes, we have actually one more. Our final refresh of the map will come out probably in late February. We are now processing our last batch of data, and that that will be our final refresh on it. Then it does go over to the FCC, who will be collecting the data in a different way, and probably presenting it in a different way. They've been um, working with us on this map through the life of the SBI project, but now the map is being uh, totally turned over to the FCC. Mm-hmm. So that you are correct yeah. in that, and
0: they are down the street and around the bend. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: all right, fair enough. But I think that from um, cause the question I was, I was almost ready to ask, um, Laura, is... Um, what is the feedback mechanism, or is there a canned feedback mechanism by which people in the community can feed to you what they need or want or what makes sense, and I just want to make the, the distinction clear that they can give you feedback for all kinds of tools that you will be providing, but if they have questions or issues about the maps, they should contact the FCC to give those folks feedback over there about what to do on the on the mapping side. So if I confuse everybody, I just want to come back. How are folks able to, from the community side, uh, give you the information that you need to help refine what's in your tool chest?
2: Can I just uh, jump in for one more piece of data sure. here? Sure. Many states are continuing to do the mapping themselves. They're continuing to maintain, because one of the things that we did is not only create the national broadband map, but supported the states in their mapping. And many states went above and beyond the requirements that we have to have much more detailed, much more granular information at the state level. And several states are going to continue that. So that there will be some data like that still available. Depends on your state. Over to you, Laura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Lynn.
1: Um, so there are a number of ways that people can get in touch with us. We have a phone number. We have an email address. Um, And I would say those are the two best ways. Uh, Would you like me to give those now, Craig? Sure. Okay. The phone number is uh, 202-482-2048. That's 482-2048 in area code 202. And you can email us at broadbandusa at n t i a dot D O C for department of commerce dot gov and uh, we would be delighted to respond to you um either way and uh are getting we're getting terrific questions from all over the country. Can you help us with this policy issue? Can you help us find funding? Uh can you explain what broadband is?
2: <laughs> so um
1: <laughs> So uh, we're here to take those questions. If people have specific um, issues that they're having with getting a problem solved at the federal level, and I, I'm about to tell myself to be careful what I wish for here, but one of the things that we have taken on as part of Broadband USA, um, and this again is building on work that we did as, as during the the BTop and SBI programs is to work with other agencies to help inform them about what's going on in this arena and to raise awareness about policies that may unintentionally be making it much harder to deploy broadband. For instance, a lot of federal funding streams are conceived for one particular purpose. That funding may flow down through a regional uh, office or a state office, it gets to the local level, and the local government may want to spend some of the funds on broadband, or if they're digging for, um, uh, this actually came up this morning in a conversation here, the uh, transportation department has a program that allows uh, communities to upgrade the traffic light systems, but there's a prohibition in the regulations against putting anything else in the conduit that you lay for uh, these transportation um, upgrades. So you've got a hole in the street and a pipe in the hole, and the only thing you can put in there is the uh, fiber optic cable to control the traffic lights. That's something that may be a legacy. It may be that maybe somebody didn't think about that, but that's something that gets in the way of, communities being able to do what's smart and sensible, which is dig once. So if um, we're really interested in how communities um, are trying to solve those problems, and we we are very committed to making a, other agencies aware of uh, barriers like that, that uh, whether intentionally or not, are really making it much harder for communities to
0: execute on broadband programs. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, that's uh that's definitely uh good stuff to have and uh it looks like uh you, you folks have definitely planned this out pretty well. You happen to mention that this, this planning has been going on for how many months did you say? Cause it's, 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 it's not just a, like it just dropped in this week kind of thing. You guys put some serious <laughs> work <paperwork> in here. <laughs> no, I mean,
1: it, you know, this program had a sunset. We knew that the funding was going to, end. it was a stimulus program. It was designed to be um, awarded as quickly as possible. And it's spent within three years so that we could jumpstart the economy. And that, that, you know, we did that, and but we could see early on that there was tremendous energy in the country, um, a lot of innovation, a huge demand for the funds far more than, than were available, and that it was very important to have a national um, sort of overview of what was happening and that we could play an, a, a really useful role by pulling information together, helping people find other people who were trying to solve the same problems, Um, working, as I said, with other federal agencies to help raise awareness in those agencies. And we probably started this two years ago. So we had been in the process as grants wind down and almost all of the BTOP grants are closed or are in the final stages at this point. And the I believe it's tomorrow that most of the, um, today or tomorrow, that most of the state broadband initiative grants will will end. So we saw this sunset coming and we realized there was an opportunity here to take the information and the relationships and uh, leverage our position inside the federal government as the president's principal advisor on telecommunications and information policy. To make a difference
2: mm-hmm.
1: so um we're actually organized now uh as we transition into teams for external affairs, partnerships, product development uh technical assistance uh industry relations and um and program services
2: mm-hmm. so
1: okay. we we have about 25 people on staff, I'd say um, both Lynn and Brian uh, are still very involved in the SBI awards, but um, as those close out over the next four to six months, they'll be transitioning into other activities as well. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll be leveraging all of that knowledge uh, to keep keep the momentum going.
0: Okay. Um Lynn or Laura, what do you see as, I don't know, the most requested type of support or information that's coming from the communities? What are they, uh, what are they, what are they looking for? I know, you know, you, you've got the mapping stuff now that's transitioning, but you also had other state related projects. And then Lynn, you've got sort of the big picture of NTI projects and so forth, but what is it that people are asking for? What do they seem to be Needing the most,
2: well, Craig, the thing that I hear the most frequently from the state grantees that I've been working with over the last several years is what is everybody else doing? They want to know what's going on in very detailed ways in other states because they want to n- they want they want to reinvent the wheel they want right. to take advantage of the uh information that's been gained out in the field and hear about other successful projects. And sometimes, even more importantly, about projects that were not, were not were risky projects and may not have worked out well. I think that's really hard for people to share, but that's important information nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I hear from my grantees. I think the other the other piece that I hear frequently is where can we find resources to continue this work? We found it to be so valuable to have a state office that is uh, sort of a central information point for all things broadband in a state to coordinate the various state activities so that when citizens have a question about what's going on in their state, there's a place for them to go, and also to find out information from their state maps on where is their uh, broadband available and where is it not available, and other information that – those are the kinds of things that I've been hearing from folks. Uh
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And oh, Craig, on my
1: end. Oh.
2: I'm I'm sorry. I'm done.
1: <laughs> okay. Um on my end, I would say the the two biggest questions have to do with resources. First of all, where can we find funding to do this, whether it's planning funds, construction funds, um and some cases operating funds, but I think people are more interested in uh, how can they Find a partner or find an investor uh or sell their um network services to last mile providers, for example, if they're their infrastructure grantees so so that's one um and then the whole question because the broadband is so dynamic, I'm sure you you know that the f c c has just redefined broadband <laughs> for their purposes um to, yep, I believe it's 20, 25 <laughs> megabits down and three megabits up. Did I get that right?
0: Yeah, sir. That's so, on base.
1: Right. So um, it's a very dynamic field, and getting information out quickly and being able to share it and get it to the right place is tremendously important. And I think we're all aware of that, and um, the government has many um, – Assets and advantages, speed is typically not one of them. (laughs) So um, it's going to be important for us to work with other organizations that are uh, engaged in these issues. Um, So we frequently collaborate with uh, other organizations. A great example is the Fiber to the Home Council. We uh, co-sponsored our conference in Minneapolis with them. We'll be going to the Broadband Communities Conference in Austin uh, in a couple of months in April, uh, and we want to be sure that we are connecting and with other organizations, uh, stakeholder groups, government groups that have similar um, interests and aims, and that we're not uh, stepping on each other's feet and reduplicating uh, products or or information. So getting that information out to people in a way that's uh, usable and timely is going to be a a big driver for us.
0: Mm -hmm. While we're talking about speed here for a sec, um, uh, we'll start with Lynn, but I also want to get some feedback on on this issue from Laura as well. But Lynn, did the maps, um, how are the maps tracking speed or how have you been tracking speed and then will the the FCC's now new definition of speed change or do you think it might change how states track speed? Because all of a sudden now if we're if we're defining broadband as twenty five down, three up, that's going to change the landscape when you try to, you know, point people to areas and say, this area is served or this area isn't served. Any thoughts on that, Lynn?
2: Well, sure. Uh, the broadband map, the national broadband map that we are producing, has speed listed in several tiers, including the original definition of broadband, which was and to the one gig. And you will see that on the map if you look for it. I do not know the answer on how the FCC is going to be producing their map. I haven't seen their, their um, plan for that, unfortunately. But speed has been something that we've been watching, as you know, increase, over time, I mean there's been a lot of increase in speed from uh cable companies and just a lot of speed and things and and more fiber is being deployed, and we've tracked it growing over the life of the map so it's people are trying to deliver speed out there, perhaps people don't have the speed they might want right now, but mm-hmm. it seems to be slowly moving forward and uh one of the things that I always mention is although I live right on the beltway in a personal case here. I don't have fiber, and it's not even available to me, and I'm right here in the capital of the free world. Huh, so right. speed is very irregularly distributed across the country. And uh, some places have fiber that are in more rural areas than the, even in urban areas. So it is an important thing to track because, as Laura was saying earlier, so much of our lives are online, and it's m- well beyond watching Netflix. It's being able to interact with your government and being able to apply for jobs, and being able to get your homework done if you're in school. It's all, speed is important.
0: Uh-huh. So now, Laura, um, how do you see the change in how the FCC is defining speed, or do you see it changing how communities are going to deal with this in terms of their planning? Uh, and, I, and I say this because I th- I have the impression that A lot of communities, as they are now looking at broadband, I I think a lot of them are just looking way beyond whatever the FCC has established as a baseline for broadband. But I may be wrong, which is part of why I'm asking the question, you know, how how do you see this change of definition uh, impacting people's approach to broadband?
1: Well, I think what we've seen throughout the life of BTOP is that there isn't a one-size-fits-all magic recipe. And communities are very different, and that's why the president emphasized how important it is for communities to have options when they're figuring out what kind of broadband service they want and how to pay for it. So I don't think there is a uh, threshold that is absolute. I do think that as Applications become more graphics intensive, and as more and more devices and more and more people in a household might be using the network at the same time, those those minimum speeds are going to become more and more important. But I, I, the the answer to you know how fast is fast enough has to be decided at the community level, and it's going to vary depending on the ambitions of that community and the existing infrastructure and so forth. The encouraging thing about the new standards, and they're vastly different than the standards, for instance, that were in the BTOP funding notice, uh, which came out in 2009, which if I can hark back that far, I think we were talking about 768K. I mean, we're... They were basically DSL range speeds. Mm-hmm. So we're in a very different world now, and it's really amazing to think that that was only six or six years ago. Um, so I think communities are going to be looking at this and thinking, how can we, uh, if we can afford it, how can we future-proof our network? Um, and the great thing about fiber is that, uh, once you put the fiber uh, in the ground or on the pole, it's there. And if you want to get more speed out of it, it's often a matter of upgrading the electronics um, but not digging more trenches or hanging more cables. So, um, again, I think it's it's got to be matched to the, the needs and the ambitions of the community that's making those decisions. But... Um, I think that that it's it's the kind of environment where people understand now that growth is going to be the name of the game and that they will be looking to build networks that can grow quickly.
0: Mm, okay. Um,
1: I don't have a lot of numbers in my head about, you know, capital costs and what it might I mean that's something that actually we've been looking at as part of the development of this toolkit. Um, But I wouldn't want to try to say anything off the top of my head about that.
0: That's okay. No, I I understand. I was just trying to get a feel for, you know, because I was actually – I'm here in Denver. I was speaking at a conference on Wednesday, and I was actually caught by surprise about the decision on on the broadband speed because I actually thought this was happening a month from now. So I'm sitting here Mm -hmm. going, oh, maybe I should have thought about this a little bit more before – this week but you know what what's going to be the actual practical impact in the trenches if you know the the speed changes and does it become more of a uh, political issue and a lever in a sense to try to work with providers or you know are people actually thinking of broadband in terms higher than 25 megs anyway and the, the announcement really won't affect them that much you know it's kind of a a question yet to be answered I think to a certain extent.
1: Well, I think okay. it will have an impact as the FCC is deciding on programs like Lifeline and LinkUp that are part of the Universal Service Fund because if they are going to direct um, uh, subsidies at broadband and they redefine what broadband is then obviously that's going to change the way those programs are administered, and it's going to change what's available to the people who are eligible for those programs. So it's a very interesting, you know, move on their part. Um, And I think I'm, I'm not completely up to speed on where they might go with it, but it's certainly worth watching.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, my next question has to do with um, uh, an item I saw in, in the list of, you know, elements of the Broadband USA program, which was, Um, online and in-person technical assistance. Uh, First off, maybe you should explain what technical assistance is because I'm assuming that technical assistance does not necessarily restrict itself to tech support kinds of questions. Am I correct?
1: Right. I think technical assistance is – Kind of government jargon, or maybe it's more broadly used than that for um helping answer questions and providing information so and it's called technical because you have a problem that um about how do you implement something what's the technique if you will, mm-hmm. so we get questions about uh, how to write a um a service contract with a uh, last mile provider, or how to um, cost out a broadband adoption program, or where to find free online learning resources for people who are just getting started with computers. And all of those things would fall um, into the bucket of technical assistance. Obviously, you know we, we can't help people with everything, and we don't know everything, but we are certainly willing to Take on whatever people are interested in, and if we don't have information or are not able to help, that we'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can request technical assistance using the phone number that I gave earlier, uh, or you can email us, and um, we will be happy to have uh, to send you something if we have something that can answer your questions, or to give you a call and say, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more about what it is that you are trying to do and see if there's something some place where we can
0: help. Okay. Well, it might be helpful just to just give out the, the, the number and the email address again. Uh, sure. Late. Uh,
1: the phone number is 202-482-2048. And the email address is broadbandusa, that's all one word, at n-t-i-a- dot D O C for department of commerce dot
0: gov. Excellent, excellent. And I make the uh the announcement. Folks have been listening to the show and have been in this room and posing questions and comments and one why we to those uh there's some literature on the, to produce, uh, after having the that are so I'm not you. I just have no way of uh, seeing what it is that, that you folks are, are, are saying out there. Um, this does actually, though, bring up an issue, which is, okay, so if you put yourself out there and say, we're going to provide this technical assistance and we're going to provide assistance online, uh some folks will probably, you know, their brains will default to the Obamacare network rollout and wonder, you know, what is NTIA doing to ensure that um that they will be able to meet a surge of demand or what should be people's expectations in terms of wait times for assistance and will they have to schedule assistance or what have you? What's what's going to be done to kind of manage that so you guys don't get thoroughly overwhelmed?
1: Well, I, I think, and this is – pretty standard, it's why you have FAQs on a website. If there are questions that we get asked repeatedly, there will be a, a written answer that we can send out to people or a product that we've developed or or something like that. If it's a question that we don't know the answer to, we're going to say, we don't know the answer. Uh, if it's something that's, um, that's novel or that's kind of in between, I think we'll do some exploring. We're very conscious of the fact that uh, we have limited resources here and we want to be effective with them. So, And I think we have some a pretty good idea of where we can be effective in terms of um, on-the-ground problem solving. So while we're not going to um, walk someone step by step by step through the entire process of... Uh, planning a new network or developing a broadband adoption program, I think we can give targeted assistance. And I can also um, imagine that we might help, um, we might do something like set up a learning community where people could share information online. Um, We've certainly done that with um, affinity groups during the BTOP program. We had one on housing, one on tribal affairs, one on um, rural issues so that that grantees who had a particular interest or focus uh, had a place where they could come together and share information. And we did many webinars uh, to provide information and help people make those connections. So I think there's some ways to scale this that are very effective uh, and that we are also um, going to be cognizant of really trying to apply resources where we know we can make a difference and if we can't help it's not it's something that's beyond uh the capacity that we have here we will certainly
2: uh let people know that
0: mhm
2: there's, there's i'd like to trem- jump in here if i could oh sure yeah. oh, i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off laura go ahead no that's fine i just wanted to jump in here and say sometimes it's also people call in here and i know or others know the direct resource in their state or in a locality that might be able to provide that direct information. Uh, for example, I got a call today from someone who was trying to find out what the speed was in Imperial Valley in California in a certain county. And I said, well, you know, this is the state of California. keeps track of that, and they would be able to give you that information at a very granular level that we don't collect on the national broadband map. So sometimes it's just the availability of having a number to call, and we know where to direct them on, too. So it's not like the staff here is going
0: to be all things to all people. Right, right. That makes sense. Now, you're also planning workshops, too, which will get you in front of a lot of people and be able to um, interact one-on-one with them. What is the game plan for the workshops? Like, will we see a schedule is gonna be like a national tour, and you'll have T-shirts, and you know, it'll be like a ten-state tour and rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. Or what, what's what's the workshop program gonna look like?
1: Well, I have to say that in, within the federal government, it's not easy to um,
0: rock and roll to
1: buy <laughs> what I would consider swag. So we probably won't have T-shirts or buttons or any of those things. We might get a, a get, get away with a logo. Sometimes, you know, you can you can you're allowed (laughs) to have a logo, Um, but we're not spending taxpayer dollars on anything, uh, anything like um, flash drives or pens or T-shirts or temporary tattoos. What we will do is um, and again, the president talked about this in during his remarks um, when he announced his broadband initiatives. We will work with the White House and with communities in the field. We will try to go to places where we haven't been before, where perhaps the the Department of Agriculture hasn't been before, where there's um, a real appetite and need for uh, information, and pre- more importantly, for bringing people in a region together, because it turns out that that's where a lot of those problems are getting solved. And when we do these workshops we do not bring in a whole lot of people from Washington. Um, we invite the people who are on the ground working on the issues uh, so that, um, for example, in Mississippi, we will have Roberto Gallardo, who is uh, at Mississippi State University and is a, an expert on economic development, um, particularly for rural areas, and works with the um, USDA Extension Service, um, will have the head of the Economic Development Authority for the state of Mississippi, Manning McPhillips, um, will have people who are educators, um, college professors, uh, telemedicine experts who are running big telemedicine networks, bring those people from the region in to tell their stories and to connect with other people from the region. Because Mm – As we all know, it's those networks. It's people who have expertise that you can call. It's people who share information with you um, that make it possible to move forward quickly on these programs. So we don't have specific plans yet. We are planning to do four more events like this before uh, the end of the calendar year. And uh, as as we hear from communities and as we work um, with the White House, which, of course, is hearing from a lot of communities as well, we'll roll out a schedule for those.
0: Okay, so everybody should uh, hang on and wait for the schedule. And when they're waiting for you to come to town, don't expect a whole bunch of swag but lots of good information. <laughs> Exactly <laughs> exactly that, that's that's fair. I mean, I think that's a you know good return I mean actually, I, you know I kid around a lot, but I think that people understand that uh you know it is a government program, and they don't want to see their money lost on you know flash and and not substance, but you know the fact that there are people knowledgeable people coming out to areas to bring useful information that's the part that's important, and that's what people are going to be uh wanting to show up uh to to um to address. Now I guess the the impact of this this next element will be felt more indirectly or over time, but it's the the collaboration side. I mean, basically and I think uh the president mentioned this in his uh comments in Cedar Falls is that he's determined to have various agencies come together and work on 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 coming up with, you know, collectively gathered or collectively designed solutions to meet communities' needs. And so, what do you think that will look like? Um, just so we can kind of get a little peek behind the curtain.
1: Well, I think that's gonna happen in two ways. One is that within the federal agencies, the president is setting up something called the Broadband Opportunities Council. And the purpose of that group, and it will be senior um, leadership from about a dozen different agencies from agriculture to transportation, the purpose of that group will be to identify the kinds of things I was talking about earlier, these barriers that don't make any sense, the policies that may be getting in the way of broadband expansion, um, the kinds of funding uh, limitations that make it harder to do this. So that the the bureaucratic processes, if you will, are streamlined um and they're they're not slowing down progress at ground level mm-hmm. um externally, I think the government the federal government plays a really important convening function um we can invite people we can bring in national speakers and um and experts. Uh, and we can get people together to talk about solving problems. Uh, and that is a lot of what we'll be doing uh, outside of uh, the Beltway. So that, um, and the, the work we're doing next okay. week in Mississippi is a great example of that. Um, so I mean, we don't have any illusions about the the um, where the solutions are. The solutions really lie in the communities. But the fact that this is our mission, this is what we're focused on, and we have a a sort of bird's eye view into what's happening throughout the country, um, makes us well able to bring information to where it's needed. And I I think that's what we're focused on, that's what we want to be able to do. And we're gonna be looking at, is this information helping? Are these resources helping? Are people able to get their projects funded and off the ground and um and apply the lessons learned from other parts uh-huh. of the country.
0: And and if that's not happening, then we're not succeeding. hmm uh-huh. So let me ask we've got about ten minutes or so. Let me ask, starting with uh Lynn, in a year, year and a half, how do you see success in the area of state initiative? I know and assume that you will still be involved at that specifically after the dust kind of settles down. But assuming that you are, assuming that the state initiative will be a commission, what would find the success of IA initiative 18 months from now? Well, I'm so
2: glad you asked that question, Craig, because one of the things that we are doing here at the State Broadband Initiative as part of the whole uh, Broadband USA uh, initiative is to maintain our network of state broadband leaders, whether or not they're in an official capacity or not. Because this has been one of the key things that has come out of the program, as well as what's happened in the communities and on the ground, has been a very dynamic and a great group of folks that are open to sharing ideas and learning from each other. And it's a group that we really want to support. Many of them, uh, with the end of the grant, are no longer running something called a state broadband initiative, but they are in other places and other programs still leading the charge on broadband. The thing that I found working with this group of people in the state broadband initiative, these people really believe in the power of broadband to make this a better place, America, a better place to live and work. And they're they're totally engaged. They're totally champions of this technology. And we want to continue to support them and to empower that network. And that's one of the issues that we'll be continuing to doing. We plan to convene meetings with them and to hold webinars and to continue sharing information with them through wikis and other ways of, of sharing information. So that's something that we have. Built it was. uh, I want to credit my boss Anne Neville, who really set the format for this and being a very open and sharing environment. And the group has formed and coalesced, and we we really see it as a powerful group. It also was a place for us to have really deep contacts in each state to be able to call up when someone says what's going on. And Kansas is just calling up there and finding out what's going on from that overview perspective. So it's been a wonderful group of people to work with, a really inspiring group of people to work with. We see them as critical elements of the success of Broadband USA. They've already contributed a great deal. Many of the items in these toolkits have come from them, of course. And so that's the group that we want to continue to nurture and support. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we see growing out of the SBI program particularly.
0: Okay. Uh, Laura, what do you see down the road? Eighteen months. What would constitute success? I know we're asking you guys to extrapolate because who knows with this crazy broadband world what will be, you know, even topical or popular in in six months, let alone eighteen. But you know, I'm I'm pretty sure you have some idea, you know, idea of what uh, the success measures might be. Well,
1: I I think we want to be creating the right product at the right time um, or delivering the right information at the right time. And I think today that's going to look like um, templates for how you do this stuff um, and models that have worked in uh, all kinds of communities, which is exactly what we tried to do with the the Broadband Adoption Toolkit that really addresses uh, a lot of different audiences and uh, barriers to broadband adoption. Uh, and the, you know we need to be quick uh, and we need to be alert to what's happening in the environment. But I would say that in 18 months, if we have published um, and made available models and templates that people can use and adapt, um, and if we're working effectively both inside and outside the government, uh, that we will be successful. We actually have quantitative targets because uh, that's part of being a government agency. When you set up your programs, you, you define some measurable uh, ways of assessing your effectiveness. So we have targets for a number of communities and number of publications and so forth. But um, I think the real test is gonna be, are we answering the right questions and are we getting that information to people at the right time? Mm-hmm. I want to, if we, ha- if I have time, Craig, I also want to just say a couple of words about a national evaluation study that we uh, commissioned as part of the B Top program.
0: Sure. No, go ahead. We got about four minutes or so.
1: Okay. So um, back in 2010, when we thought about uh, what, how we would understand the impact of. This four and a half billion dollar program, we decided that we would commission a study of the economic and social impact, and we put out an RFP, um, and there was a competition, and I believe there were uh, there were five bidders or seven bidders. There was a a significant number of bidders, Um, and we awarded that contract to a group called ASR Analytics through that competitive process they have done a tremendous job of collecting data, both data that was produced as part of BTOP, the reporting data and the map data and so forth, uh, as well as third-party data, um, economic data, census, and demographic data, um, and really thinking about how could you, given the the constraints which were that we needed to finish this study within four years because that was the life of the program Um, how could you develop um, a way of looking at this information that would give us some insights and uh, the final report is available along with a number of case study reports and again you can get that all on our website or at the NTIA site and I, I think what's encouraging is that they saw very tangible um, gains in things like employment, uh, in network availability, in price performance ratios um, for ban- high bandwidth services. So, and perhaps as importantly, they created some models for. Um, for looking at this information, for collecting it, for analyzing it. And I won't say more about that. Um, I think we'll be doing a webinar in, this, in the fairly near future. Um, but for people who are trying to understand, well, how do you measure it and what do we know about the impact, this is going to be a very, very rich
0: data source. Hmm. There's such, there's like so much going on. I can't stand it. So um, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you then, Laura, uh, to to wrap this up. We got like about a minute. Um, this appears to me to be a great outreach by the administration to create a partnership between resources and the people at NTIA and communities developing broadband. Is that how we should look at this? Is this a this is a partnership? Uh, endeavor that we all have a stake in it. We all can contribute to it. That's exactly how we see it, Craig. Well, hot diggity! Cool. <laughs> this is. Uh, I'm pretty jazzed. i have had a pretty good week, so I'm pretty. I'm I'm pretty jazzed about the program and what it is that that you folks are doing. I'm very happy to see that the. Um, you know, there's there's effort to, to keep the states. Involved because I would get you know someone here and there you know sending me a note or a resume saying that their you know particular department was being phased out and all the rest of it. The fact that there are uh, you know definite avenues by which the works of the states are going to still continue to be uh, contributing to this process to me is is pretty awesome because I think one of the the questions that was asked frequently at the beginning of the stimulus program was what happens when the money. So, you know, and I think you have answered, both of you have answered that very well today. So I want to thank you both for being here. This has been a great show. Uh, I'm excited for the program, and I wish you all the success in the world.
1: Thanks Thanks. so much, Craig. It's been
0: fun. We really appreciate it. No worries. And for our audience, thank you once again for being with us. I apologize for the tech glitch and not being able to uh, take questions from our chat room. Hopefully uh, they will sort out, they being the company that, so that we will have uh that fixed up by the time we're on the air again. Uh have a great weekend, have a great week next week. Uh continue the good stuff that's going on in broadband, both you know, Lynn and Laura and all of you folks who are listening in. Thank you and talk to you again soon. Bye bye.